This is the Snug Podcast. In this episode, Dogman, current issues and future developments. So it was a huge game changer when going from paper records. Whenever you started filing things in, it just made it so much easier for clinicians and staff. It was just, it was great. There is massive benefit to moving to, to, to this sort of technology. Cloud-based products are, are absolutely the future. Hi there, welcome to another Snug Podcast. I'm Andrew McElhinney, a GP and member of the Scottish National Users Group for GPIT. Thank you for listening in. And if what we talk about is of interest, please subscribe to the podcast. We aim to have a new episode every month. Today we're asking, why is DocMan such a useful tool for general practices? And what are the differences between DocMan 7 and DocMan 10? Now, DocMan is an electronic document management system produced by PCTI Solutions. It's been around since as far back as 1993. It was made available for Scottish practices in 2004 as practices began to go paper light. And it was a big catalyst in the move away from paper GP records. And apart from just attaching documents to the GP patient record, it also provides a document management package adding more sophisticated handling or workflow of incoming documents, along with detailed categorization of documents and facilities to label and store them. And Scottish GP practices store attached documents within a common set of DocMan folders, mainly based on specialty type. NHS Scotland first signed up to the national deployment of the DocMan hub back in 2011, so that all Scottish hospitals could send documents, including outpatient letters and results, digitally to GPs. And there's also a facility for electronic document interchange between GP practices. So a receiving practice will receive all the previous practices documents for that patient with their original filing attributes. The patient's clinical record from EMIS or Vision is also printed to a file which gets attached to the DocMan record and that's called GP to GP and it's designed around the existing DocMan transfer process. So all patient records can now be sent electronically between practices using this process. Now, back in 2016 at the National DocMan Conference held in Manchester, the future of DocMan was revealed. Four and a half thousand of you GP practices out there are now receiving your clinical letters electronically. And across the estate of DocMan software, we've got over a billion clinical letters, discharge summaries, transfers of care, stored across the estate of software. DocMan 10 will be our first version of the product that will be centrally hosted and fully hosted in the cloud. It means that our clinical staff and our admin staff can get access to DocMan at any time from anywhere that obviously has an N3 connection. So in a few minutes time we'll hear about plans to implement DocMan 10 in Scotland. But first, I caught up with Sharon Wishart, who's the lead facilitator at the Primary Care Mentor Team in Fife. And we were discussing the experiences we've had with DocMan, as well as dealing with a recent national problem with mysteriously disappearing documents. Yes, I'm uh, the lead facilitator with the primary care mentor team. I'm right along in the East Nook, 
So I'm just a few miles up from Ely. So we deal with the GPs, pharmacies, dentists and optoms all in the community. So there's four of us in the team, but so we're kept busy, kept busy, especially with the GPs. They keep us on our toes. <laughs> I can't imagine that. That's... Oh, no. <laughs> so today we were just going to have a, a little bit of a chat about Docman. And I thought before we get into talking a bit about Docman, just, I mean, I can remember the days before we had it. I, I'm, I'm guessing you probably do as well. In the days we used to have case notes and we'd have to chase them around to try and find things and they'd get lost. And then when we got the Doc Man in the mid-2000s, it was just such a game changer. So I thought it'd be just worthwhile thinking about what the benefits are that Doc Man has brought to practices over the years. Well, um, I was working in practice myself in Anstruther Medical Practice at the time Doc Man came in. So it was a huge game changer going from, as you say, the paper records, trying to find things in records, everything. And all of a sudden, with, I think with the national structure as well, all the branches and all the departments, whenever you started filing things in, it just made a, it was so much easier for clinicians and staff. It was just, it was great. And then you've seen it as, as the years have gone on, how more it's getting used, more with EDT, all the immediate discharge, everything's coming in so much quicker and it's all accessible at the touch of a button, which really makes a difference. Absolutely. And it's the fact that stuff is just there when you need it. That's and it. So, so would you say it's almost essential now, you know? I would definitely say it's essential. I don't think you could go back to anything on paper. I definitely think you need a electronic filing system for patient records. I think that's it's a must now because it's just so easy to find everything. And, you know, there's not been an awful lot of issues with it really over the years, I wouldn't say. Maybe a wee bit dated in the structure now. And, you know, there's been so many things added on. It's also been a, a great game changer again, which you'll know in Fourth Valley, I'll be back scanned into Doc One. The only thing I've, I've found with the back scanning sometimes is trying to find archived documents from a few years back. But it makes a difference in running about looking for a paper record. And I guess the other thing about Docman that's different from just scanning into the sort of like the GP systems like Emus and Vision is the workflow facility. So we take that for granted now. But I mean, that is... I think that's it because, you know, you've got a, you've got the document, exactly what's happened to it from, from its coming in the surgery, right? For the word go, when it's filed, who it's sent to the lot right up to completion. I always remember in the practices having to go back and you check that everything's been actioned just as a, a final check, definitely. And this is just in with GP, GP as well. That's really helped, uh, I would say, with practices. Although, just what you're saying with the summaries, it depends on the read code in the practices. It might not be quite as good as your own practice, you kind of rubbish in, rubbish out, I suppose. <laughs> well, that's right. That's something we've had to kind of take stock, you know, recently is how well stuff is being coded and when, right. when it comes in. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the other thing that we have in Scotland as well that's really useful is the folder structure, you know, so actually you can exchange documents consistently between... Yes, that's it. I think that's, you know, and with GP to GP, it is easier um, yeah. that now. And obviously, I was just interested to talk a little bit about the recent problem we've had. But before we get on to that, I mean, over the years, have you seen many issues and problems with Docman or by and large, has it been pretty good? not really seen an awful lot of issues. I would say it was maybe about three or four years ago, there was an issue with orphan documents where they were getting lost. But it was not to the scale of anything uh, we've had. But as far as I'm aware, there's not been an awful lot of difficulties. I mean, I do remember 
maybe a few years ago, before everybody got onto it was at version 75, there was a bit of instability and there was a lot of different versions around and stuff. But then I guess everybody's pretty much on 75, 500. I think the majority are now. And I think that's it. Uh, once everybody's all on the same, it's easier, I suppose, going from one thing to another. The only thing I would say just now is GP to GP, if it is an exceptionally large record, it can't export, which is just unfortunate. But I think that's a bit of both between the clinical system and DocMan. I'm sure they're going to sort that, you know, whenever... Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully. (laughs) We keep hoping. So I guess we've had this issue recently, you know, that's made a lot of waves, really, with files going missing. So I was just wondering how your region in Fife had actually had to cope with that. Yeah, well, I think um, how the practice have really been very good with it, but I think it was the uncertainty to start with, with the timescale of any uh, resolution or a tool getting rolled out. I know they say it was, you know, never rush perfection, but it, it wasn't exactly perfection when it came out either. But since the tools got enrolled and they've got the figures, they know the kind of enormity of the issue in their own practice, I would say everybody's just getting on with it. It's unfortunate at the same time as the Adastra cyber attack, which is, you'll know yourself, it's causing a bit of hassle within practices as it's additional work again. They're saying it does take a time and quite a bit of effort to go through the clinical review if you've got a lot of records. Yes, that's quite variable because there's a lot of practices around here that maybe just have a small number, like between one and five, but there's some practices have over 100. You know, so, actually, so have you had many practices that have been hammered by this? We've got a couple that have got had quite a lot, um, but we also had quite a few that had none at all, which I was quite surprised. And I think this is the worrying bit, you know, how random is it? You know, yeah. the, you just you don't really know because even at one of them we ran it to start with, and there was none. Then we ran it again, and there was twenty or thirty. Yeah, I suppose just for people, anybody who's who doesn't know about it, it's just this issue of documents mysteriously disappearing from. Is it from Batch Manager that they disappear? From Batch Manager, yes. So it's if it's come through EDT, yeah. it'll disappear. If it's something that's scanned in manually, it should be fine. It should be, but there was some talk at the last Snug meeting about there being a possible issue with that. I don't know if you heard that being discussed. Yes, it's been a bit of a debate, I think, with some things, because even some of the back scanning stuff has shown that it's come up as missing documents. And they're not missing. They are there because they, they were all scanned. And... OK. So is there any advice just how people can be doubly careful when they're scanning stuff in, you know, do, or do workflowing stuff? Well, what should they do? There's no right or wrong way with this. They just seem to disappear. I think what the best thing I would say is if you know how many documents you're scanning in and then workflow, them, it might take a bit longer. You know, if you're doing it in smaller batches, you've got 10 in and workflow in 10 you know that there's nothing missing. So reconcile them almost as you go along and just... just... Yes, it's very time-consuming. But I think till the, the fix is out with the patches, you know, and it's totally fixed, I think that would be the way. I would be inclined to do it to keep yeah. everything right. Although they do say that the two will pick it up now. They pick it up from the last time. But... I'm maybe a wee bit air on caution sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I'm interested just to hear experiences from other areas. And it sounds like every patch in Scotland's more or less been affected, really. To yes, get... I think every health board has had some of varying degrees. You know, and it's been fortunate. It has been picked up, you know, into side. You know, it's really made a difference. 
somebody's actually seen it. Yeah, it makes you wonder how how long it's been happening for, doesn't it, really? Well, that's it. I think that is it. I must admit, when I first heard it, I thought, oh, okay, and you can, they're only going back as far as like the EDT hubs. So has it been happening before this? You know, you just don't know. But I suppose against that is the thousands of documents that go through safely all the time, you know, that are okay. Um, so it's only a really tiny proportion, really, when you think oh, about it. Oh, definitely. I know, but it's, when you put it into perspective, it is. It's just a fraction of the amount that's gone through. But I suppose, yeah, I mean, what we've been told, and I'm, I'm guessing this is the national guidance, just that we'll get a, a document that stamps recovered document for clinical assessment and then we just have to do a quick clinical review to check for any adverse events, that kind of thing. We've done it slightly different. We've given the patient identifiable information to the practice and they're uh, retrieving the document from Sky Store or Clinical Portal. So it's just much the same, but that's the way we're doing it. And they stamp it and clinical review and then it'll be assessed uh, NSS to see what the outcome is of the harm. Well, hopefully there won't be too much harm. But, but... No, well, the, the results I've seen coming through so far have been all quite good, so quite relieved, quite relieved. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yes. Is there anything else that, you know, that we um, we should think about with Docman advising practices or anything that you tell your practices to do? Uh, I think because everybody's using it constantly now. I think it was different in the days when it was just a few documents coming through and scanning them in, but... Um, now it's just part of the everyday workload. Yeah, completely. It's a, I mean, a big chunk out of your day just marking all these. So maybe there was something to be said for people. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had less less results to handle in the old days. That's for sure. That's it. But anyway, but listen, it's been really good to give us um, some time today. Really appreciate it. That's not a problem, Andrew. It was nice to speak to you. Now, for the rest of today's podcast, we're going to consider the future of Docman in Scotland with Sean Foster, Philip Austin and Leslie Thorpe. And their talk was part of the Snug Members Day in May. And as usual, the full video version with slides and a demo of the system is available to members of Snug on our website. And after a comparison of Docman 7 and Docman 10, there are some questions at the end from Snug members. So listen out for those. Well, welcome. Thank you very much for um, giving us the opportunity to talk to you guys today about Docman 10. My name's Sean Foster. I'm the sales manager for uh, actually the urgent um, care team, but I, I know Docman very, very well. I, I worked with the Docman team for about 17 years. And you've got Leslie, uh, Leslie Thorpe, um, who is um, the account manager for Scotland, who knows every nuance in Scotland and has many deep running relationships with um, health boards. Uh, I am just going to sort of just walk through some of the, the benefits of Dotman 10 uh, versus Dotman 7. So Dotman 7, you know, it, it served us very, very well for, for many, many years. But inevitably, like, like with all products, you know, particularly if they're they're based on site, you are going to get issues with, with many of the, the new sort of ways of working, particularly sort of remote working and so on. And cloud-based products, you know, are, are absolutely the future. Most of the, the apps that you use on your phone are all cloud-based. So we set about sort of about four years ago now sort of designing Dotman 10. We actually went and spent lots of time with practices and looked at how they use the product and redesigned a complete new product that doesn't just do what it does, you know, in, in Dotman 7, but actually will change the way that you work and hopefully for the better. So some of those key areas, I guess, the first one being that, you know, Dotman 7, as, as you all are aware, relies on a server being, you know, in, in your practice. It, you know, it needs to be backed up every night. These servers cost a lot of money, uh, so they have to be managed by, a, you know, by a team. 
they're not cheap to, to run, you know, and with antivirus and everything else that needs updating on them regularly, you know, we can come into issues from time to time where the software perhaps needs certain files unlocking and so on. So it can be a bit of a pain to have um, servers on site. With Dotman 10, it runs entirely from a web browser. So what that means is that there's no requirement for any servers or powerful PCs or desktops to run it. In essence, what you do is you'd have, a desk, you'd have an icon on the desktop, you double click on it, it takes you onto the internet and it would allow you to log into Dotman 10 from there. So having the data stored in the cloud means there's no requirements for any local infrastructure, no local backups, which you know it can only be, be a good thing. You know, all backups and restores are all handled by our, you know, the data center team. So there's no requirement for anybody in your practice, should there be an issue, to be sat in front of the computer and watching us, you know, watching us deal with it. Um, it's all handled sort of, you know, within the data center. People ask us about, you know, updates. So obviously, you know, like with all software, it has to be updated fairly regularly. You know, there will be bugs and there will be slight changes to the system that we have to do. And with Dotman 7, again, you know, it relies on somebody dialing into your surgery, potentially shutting the system down in order to do that. With Dotman 10, the, the, the way in which the technology works is that we can actually run the updates in overnight. You know, we, and actually we can do some of them, particularly a lot of the patching throughout the day, which means there's no downtime for the product. So, you know, there's no reason for anybody to be sat on site or requesting elevated permissions to be able to install new clients on PCs. You know, it, there's no requirement for any of that because it's a cloud-based product. We have uh, quite a lot of branch sites. So I guess it's the same in Scotland that, uh, you know, where you've got your data stored in a surgery at a practice and you've got satellite sites that want to connect to that, inevitably the link between that satellite site and the, the main site, they are quite challenging. They're not very fast links, which means that that branch site will be using Dotman 7 in slow motion, I would guess. With Dotman 10, there is no concept of a, of a branch link. Every site gets access to the data center with you know in the same sort of way. You're not having to rely on those links between those surgeries, which means that as we've all learned over the last sort of two, three years, you know, with, with COVID, that people working from home or working from satellite sites is becoming more and more important. And again, whilst you've got Dotman sat on a server at a practice, it's very, very difficult to allow people access to that. Whereas here, we've got access to the, the full data center. So you know, GPs can access Dotman from a multitude of, of devices from many different locations. There are, there, or there are, is the concept of federated working as well. Practices working much closer together in order to perhaps share administrative tasks. So this could be scanning or filing or coding. Dotman 10, because of the fact that you can you can share your instance of Dotman, gives other practices the ability to to use your system uh, should the right permissions be set. So primary care at scale is is something that's on the lips of many, many people in, in primary care at the moment. How do we run a primary care system in a, you know, in a much wider setting? Dotman 10 has the capability to do all of that. And finally, last but one, I guess, extended hours um, and integrated shared care records. So, you know, these are really big things that are happening. You know, we, you know if, if a patient presents at a health setting somewhere in your community, can I get access to their full record? You know, can I get access to their mental health record? Can I get access to their GP record? Um, with Dotman 7, that's very challenging. You know, you, you can't get access to those documents that are locked in that practice. But because of the Dotman 10 and the nature of the way that it works, you know, these documents are made available through simple APIs 
which means we work with many, many different systems to allow access to these documents through those systems. Again, you know, depending on access rights and depending on which documents you want people to get access to. So it just means that, you know, the, the, the possibilities are endless with a cloud based product rather than having them stuck in, you know, in those practices. One just very little thing that I just wanted just to touch on, the scheduler. So at the moment, each practice has a scheduler that collects documents from the hubs, from those from those hospitals. So these your discharge summaries and your clinical correspondence. All that with Docman 10 is now done centrally. So, you know, quite often with Docman 7, we found that the scheduler, you know, either stopped working or there was a clash with another product on the server that, that stopped it from collecting. With Dotman 10, it's all done centrally. So actually those documents are collected, you know, you know, in, in the background without your knowledge. You can look at reports and see what it's collected. If it can't collect, it will continue to try and collect. And then if if for whatever reason it can't, it will notify our support team that there's been an issue. And quite often that will have been repaired before you even noticed it's not collected. So there's massive benefit to, to having this, this cloud product. Multiple IntelliSense licenses is a, is a, is a big one. Uh, so now we don't restrict the IntelliSense licenses with 10. I think with seven, you have to purchase them separately. Um, and you'll have the license installed on the machine. With 10, once you've got to document 10, every computer can IntelliSense, no matter, no matter where you are, you, you log in and you can use that IntelliSense functionality. Hi, could I just um, ask, when you're coding from a document, will there be any prompt if the, the code already exists in the patient's clinical record? I'm just thinking of um, chronic disease diagnoses and things. Yes, yes, that's that's correct. Sorry, just because because this document isn't linked to it, you're correct. As soon yeah. as you do, as soon as you do it on the top, it will actually let you know. I'll show you here. It will actually, yes, it will actually tell you if it's already in the system. Um, yeah. It will, yeah, it will tell you that. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Diane is next, Diane. is it? Yeah. Hi. Um. Just I've maybe just got two questions. One of the things I think at the moment, the Dotmind Seven, the speed is diabolical. And I just wondered, I know this is going to be web-based for Docman 10. Does this actually speed things up for people using Docman 10X? And my second question is, is um, I was in the in one of the previous sessions and it was talking about Sky Gateway integration. And I just wondered at what stage this is at from Docman's perspective. You are right. It should definitely um, increase your speed, Diane. First of all, it, like you say, it's kind of done off your internet speed, but it, it should be a lot quicker. We do actually have minimum requirements, so we know the speed is there. So then, like I say, it loads the documents a, a lot quicker because it's done off a, sur uh, a survey before. Some people found it. It was quite actually quite quick, but like you say, some surgeries found it was quite slow. Uh, this should, yes, vastly increase the speeds of actually opening documents and using using Dotman 10x. But like I say, we actually we we have, you have requirements that it needs to be at a certain speed anywhere you internet um, to be able to use it. And Diane, the question about Sky um, Sky Gateway. So there's ongoing work that's going on between NSS and ourselves with regards to upgrading the Sky Gateway integration. So that's ongoing and it's um, it's getting there. It's uh, They're doing really good on it, so it shouldn't be too long till it's completed. And we, we, we won't start a project with anyone around Dotman 10 until all, all of that is met. So we, we certainly won't be leaving with any with any functionality loss because you know, we know how important all that all that is. And the, the work that we did uh, to standardise sort of folders and that sort of stuff, again, you know, isn't something that we're going to have to do all again. It's, it, it all gets pulled across from from uh, from the old version Dotman 7. Christina? 
really this is around timescales for rollout. Is the rollout of DocMan dependent on the change of clinical systems? Not necessarily, no. So we are still ongoing discussions with NSS about the the rollout of DocMan 10, but it's it's not dependent on the, the new clinical system, no. Hi. Um, a lot of our practices are set to print directly to DocMan by calling ddstub.exe. So the print goes directly from whichever application to DocMan itself. Uh, is there going to be anything equivalent with this being cloud-based? I'm not sure from our perspective. Do we do, do we still have the concept of sort of the the dropper doc type type scenario, Phil? Yeah, where you're dropping it from? You're dropping it from your your computer system, or, or... Uh, so we we use a, a PDF printer and we output from that PDF printer to uh, ddstub.exe, and the print just appears in Document as a as as if it had been dropper docked. Ah, right. Okay. So we yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, we've got an option in the little toolbar where you can actually set it for a collection. So if, if you've dropped it from the, your printer, basically, into PDF, into a collection folder, we'll be then able to pick it up from that collection folder and drop it into Dotman. Ah, oh, fantastic. Thank you. Do you have another one, David? Different, David, I think it is. Thanks. Uh, but we use quite a lot of kind of joint folders that are a bit of a pain at the moment. So, it's, for example, we put all of our e-consults in one folder for everybody to pick up and our med links for all the nurses. Uh, how would joint folders, uh, so are they available in Dotman 10 and how do they function? So do you put those folders in Dotman 7 or do you put those folders on your actual computer? So at the moment, we make a specific user that's called eConsult. We then drop it into that and then we give everybody access to it on the view. But then we can't actually manipulate the workflow because we've got to then end up stopping it. So it's quite a complex process. So essentially, it's a folder that we want lots of people to be able to go into to action the specific workflows. All right. OK, yeah. So you, you, you are you using a generic user in Dotman 7 then, in essence? Yeah, multiple of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, in Dotman 10, you won't need to do that. They'll all be able to access that group if they're linked to it, which you can set up on config. And then the, they'll all be able to see that folder. And then any action against that folder, it will actually save that, obviously, the audit history of that, that individual rather than at the moment, I could imagine it'll be just saving as that generic user. So, yeah, that that's what you'd use it in Dotman 10, that you actually you, you'll be able to see it from both points of view a lot better. If that's what you mean. Yeah, great to hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those I, I understand why in Dotman Seven some people use those generic users. Um, in Ten you don't need to do so. So if you like, to say if you do, then come on to Dotman Ten. You get two days training with it, and they'll show you and they'll set that up for you. So you, you know it'll be individual accounts, but they'll be able to see into the group settings. I think I think if if I remember rightly, you know that the concept of of a document going to a group of people. So, for example, if there was a group of people that dealt with you know, e-consult documents, that would go to a group of people, and the idea being that any any anyone in that group can either look at that group and respond to the document, and you can set it so that either it either removes it from everyone else's vision, if you like, or it remains in everyone's vision. So, for example, if it was a document that I wanted five people to see, but I want the audit trial that all five people had seen it, then you can set it in the workflow as, as part of the process that actually I wanted to go to these five people, but I want everybody in that group to acknowledge that they've seen it. 
or alternatively, I'm going to send to this group of five people. But actually, it doesn't matter who deals with it. As long as one person deals with it, it responds to it for all the group. So it, there's lots of new ways of, of work flowing um, across multiple um, teams or individuals or groups rather than having just generic users. Uh, it's much more flexible and much more auditable rather than I think with seven, as you say, what we're what we're having to do is it was going to a group of people, one person to deal with it, the others would then have to stop it in their workflows, which which wasn't probably the greatest way of doing it, but it was just the way the Dotland seven worked. So yeah, hope hopefully that's that that's going to be much better for you. Any other questions, Ian? Uh, the reason I wanted to um speak is that I can see there's a number of questions in the chat that might be worth just picking up. Um as well as obviously getting a, a confirmation from Sean that if we updated the Dockman folder structure in Scotland as a national structure, that you'd be quite happy to have a new version of that because the current version is 15, 16 years out of date. <laughs> Absolutely. I think if, you know, if, if we were to agree with yourselves that, that, that there was a move to Dockman 10 for, you know, for practices, then I think that that's a that's a real piece of work that I think we need to do. You know, it, we didn't just replicate Dockman 7 into Dockman 10. So I think there are, there are a number of perhaps workshops that we would need to do to say, look, yeah. these are some of the things that, that we absolutely need to keep the same. These are some of the things that need updating because, as you say, and this has been a long, long time that we've rolled out Dotman 7 to you guys. So, so I, I think even before we start with the individual practices, we have to start at that much higher level and make sure that we're uh, we're doing stuff that's going to be similar across the board. So, yeah, absolutely, we will. Just to pick up on the questions that are sitting in the chat there, I can see somebody's asking about the ability to email stuff directly from Dotman. Although they've mentioned NHS Mail, we don't have NHS Mail in Scotland. We've got an Office 365 solution. So I think that's, that may end up being a, a discussion between the IT security people and the willingness of the supplier to connect with that. There also seems to be a lot of interest from the chat there about people wanting to know how to print directly into Dotman 7. So that might be something that can be picked up with the existing GMS facilitators team across the whole of Scotland to help provide support. Somebody from Dotman was, or even from Microtech was able to provide the guidance on how that's done. No problem. Yeah, we can take that. Do you want to pick up on the mail question? If um, Outlook is your default mail client on the PC, then essentially what it will do is when, as soon as you click on email, it will it will take that Office 365 instance. It will start a new email, add it as an attachment and away you go. And you can do that for multiple documents. So again, if someone says actually, you know, can you send me all the, you know, like an insurance company or whatever, you know, if you wanted to see a couple of documents, then you could do that from within here. Um, you can also restrict that. So again, for those that are sitting here thinking, oh, actually, you know what, I don't want anybody being able to take documents out of Dotman, um, then you can restrict that as part of the user profile. So you can actually say in your practice, I don't want anybody being able to download or, or email documents out of the system, uh, unless you are of a certain um, secure level. I'm conscious we've overrun and I'm conscious also I jumped in at the end here. Um, but uh, I think I've, my own experience of what I have seen has been very good. And I'd like to thank you for your presentation. So thanks again to Sharon at the start and also to Sean, Philip and Leslie from One Advanced for giving us that detailed update on what might lie ahead for Docman users in Scotland. And just to let you know, they will be back at our face-to-face -face National Snug Conference in November at Westerwood Hotel in Cumbernauld on Wednesday the 30th of November, and you'll definitely hear more about Docman then in the talks and the workshops. 
But that is it for today. So thank you very much for staying with us right to the end. As they say in the Newscast podcast, you clearly ooze stamina. Bye-bye for now.